Hey everyone, I'm your host Piers Kicks, and welcome back to Metaverse Musings, which is a research-focused podcast that's part of Delphi Digital. We explore the integral components behind what many believe will be the internet's successor, a virtual extension of the natural world where most of us will eventually live, work and play. To some, it represents our next great milestone as a network species, and to others, it is something to fear. With our guests, we discuss the technology, philosophy and culture behind this brave new world. If you're not yet subscribed to the Delphi Research Portal, then I fear for your soul. You're missing out on the most incisive analysis that the digital asset space has to offer. Seriously, check it out. Nothing said on this podcast is a solicitation to buy or sell any security or token or to make any financial decisions. This podcast features sponsors and any ads are not an endorsement by Delphi Digital and are for informational purposes only. Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of Metaverse Musings. I am delighted to introduce you today to Drew and MetaDreamer, the two co-founders of a project called MetaFactory, which I'm very excited about. Guys, thank you for joining us. It's your thing. Thanks for having us. Glad to be here. Alrighty, Drew, to kick us off, could you tell us as simply as possible, what is MetaFactory? <laughs> I can tell you. I don't know how simple it'll be. Um <laughs> I'll, I'll try and condense as much as possible. Um, there are kind of three main tenets we're focused on. Um, there's been obviously an explosion of personal community social tokens recently. Uh, and I, th- I think it's exciting because they're taking a, a lean token design approach, most of them, where they know what they want to accomplish. They're not exactly sure how a token fits in there. Um, and they're using tools like Collabland to create initial utility around the token and it, um, value within the community. Uh, to- Collabland, for those who don't know, it's like a token permission chat, um, like gating. Um, Metafactory, we see Metafactory is similar. Um, community, you know, communities need merch. Uh, merch is great at building communities, and we are set up to do similar things, uh, token permission drops, um, physical merch as token distribution mechanisms, similar to what we do with robot. Um, and you know, NFT collector royalties where will, uh, the artists can share a portion of, you know, robot rewards with collectors of their NFTs that we also use in, in products, prints, et cetera. Um, and that's exciting because you know it's a no cost, no hassle way for these communities to um, introduce merch and high quality merch too. Uh, the other big piece is this is all a community owned, operated um, project. So uh, we're a DAO. Um, we use Robot as our governance token, and also the way we capture and, and distribute value to everyone who participates. So anybody who buys products receives robot. Anybody who designs products receives robot. We'll have a active curation um, element to the uh, in the platform here soon too, which the community will be able to dis- decide what products make it to market or make it to market next. Um, and then uh, yeah, the the last piece of the puzzle is this digi physical angle where we have the tools and and capabilities to kind of create physical merch that but also um, turn those into NFTs and create digital w- complements in the form of wearables and virtual worlds or gaming platforms um, or avatars or whatever they may be. Um, and we also have some unique hardware that allow us to actually cryptographically verify and link physical goods uh, to a blockchain. Um, and so most of our signature pieces include that. And that has, you know, a bunch of opens a bunch of doors around verifying authenticity, tracking, provenance, pedigree, um, and really anything you can do with signing a signature. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I'll stop there. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's still just one of the most, uh, wicked projects I've come across. I think this idea you can buy a physical piece of clothing and it will come with its digital counterpart wearable across a variety of different sort of virtual environments. It's, it's, it's pretty crazy. I mean, there are a lot of problems to be solved these days and I guess more tools than ever to kind of solve them, especially in crypto land. But what made you wake up one day and decide to pioneer the concept of digi physical merch? <laughs> that, um, I think it was, you know, the day I realized my entire wardrobe consisted of uh, swag and conference swag from various projects, <laughs> which I proudly wore. But um, it was actually a, a Osaka uh, DEF CON 
bunch of us were hanging out, met a cartel uh, folks, and we were thinking about, you know, merch and thinking about how we could do better, uh, both in quality, uh, design. We have all these other tools at our disposal, you know, bonding curves and various other methods for selling products or dropping them, uh, you know, NFTs, and, and we're kind of just starting to get interesting and, and people were paying attention terms of what we could do with like licensing and various other things. So yeah, it was really just inspired around the the desire to um, celebrate crypto culture and this subculture that we all kind of like buy into love and the values that are, are a part of it, you know, uh, sovereignty and, and, and decentralization and, and everything. So yeah, I think, you know, there's combining elements of, you know, streetwear and hype beast culture, uh, gamification, physical merch, digital NFTs, and all as a way to also kind of lead uh, the horse to water and, and help pr provide uh, new experiences to explore and, and be exposed to the rabbit hole that is Web3 and crypto. Yeah, Absolutely. I think that it's when people talk about crypto, it's usually just about the tech. But if you if you kind of are in the crypto space, you realize the reason people are here, the reason people, you know, spend their time here. So much of it is about the culture. And I think like with Metafactory, we really wanted um, it to be a vessel in which we could like cultivate crypto culture um, and sort of promote uh, crypto values in this sort of experience that bleeds over into the real world um, that goes beyond just like technology for the sake of technology, but actually applying these technologies to create an experience that was never possible before. Um, and that, that goes all the way to like, you know, these NFTs and tokenizing the merch on like into digital assets, but also, you know, the DAOs and, you know, coordinating communities and people to like come together and create value together um, and share in the success of that uh, creation together. And then, mm -hmm. you know, DeFi as well. It's, it's kind of like bridging all these things together in like, using it to create a really cultural experience that connects with people has um, a lot of meaning to people, uh, especially for, you know, the next generation of people who are going to kind of be dictating what the world's going to look like for the next 50 years are the, you know, younger people who grew up in the internet age. Um, and those people, like for them, it's so much more about um, culture and like, uh, you know, um, th those sort of values instead of like finance or, you know, how much yield do I get? And mm. we found that it's physical merch is like such a great way to onboard people into this rabbit hole because they might just buy a shirt because it looks cool. But then they say, oh, uh, this comes with like a digital wearable. What's that? Oh, there's these virtual worlds and I can go in and wear, wear these. These are NFTs. What's NFTs? And then, you know, just kind of keep pulling the thread and like before they know it, they're now integrated into this like rich, vibrant community of people creating and uh, sharing together. Um, and, you know, they're earning rewards for it too. Like basically people who like bought any merch from Metafactory, they get airdrop robot rewards. Um, and then, you know, that it, it, it's an amazing tool to basically align these incentives uh, among all these people. So it, it turns like consumerism into a bi-directional thing where, uh, it, it blurs the line between like a consumer and an owner of a thing or a platform or a community, um, sure. which we think is really powerful. Yeah. I think one of the things I love about, uh, you know, the project you guys have built is, is how, you know, so much of this crypto culture component and whatnot, like, uh, exists, you know, in your computer, in your screen, but, um, having stuff that actually manifests, uh, and is an extension of it into the real world is super neat. And I think, obviously for those already in it, but then as you just touched upon too, uh, in terms of drawing people down that rabbit hole, it's uh, it's super interesting. So, so MetaDreamer, could, could you maybe give us a bit of color on sort of what do you think was different about your approach that allowed you guys to see and also ex execute upon this opportunity where perhaps others hadn't? So I think for us, um, it's pretty crazy. Like almost everything we do has kind of just happened by coincidence or by, you know, um, some sort of like uh, cosmic synchronicity. Uh, we, we really don't try to like dictate what we're going to do or how we're going to build it. Um, it's very, it's very much like, you know, let's get the right people in the room and, you know, let's cultivate the right values and, you know, see, see what comes out of it. And 
just following that has been like really, really successful for us. Um, I think the one thing I really realized that in Web3 that's different from Web2 that a lot of people haven't realized yet but are starting to is um, in Web2, usually the best way to win is to compete. You know, you want to crush your competition and that is the best business strategy. Make a money. In Web3, we've actually realized that collaborating and bridging uh, and breaking silos is actually a more effective business strategy. A lot of the platforms that tried to like compete or kind of be all-in-one, all-encompassing platforms and do do everything themselves didn't really gain traction. But the all the different DeFi protocols and different projects that basically can build more bridges and uh, kind of compose more things, they end up, you know, having the strongest uh, foundations, the most people supporting their communities, um, the healthiest sort of uh, anti-fragility um, properties to it. So in Metafactory, uh, that's really been our um, our strategy is like, you know, we're working with a bunch of teams kind of building different pieces. And what we're trying to do is not actually build individual pieces, but instead compose them into creating something that's bigger than um, the sum of its parts. Because in Web3, especially, you notice there's a lot of um, problems. Uh, sorry, there's a lot of solutions looking for problems. Um, you know, people building really, really amazing technologies, but not really uh, applying them or figuring out how they can be used in a way that can actually impact people in the real world and, uh, you know, have uh, have a lot of like creativity and culture come out of it. So for us, like finding uh, the people building really awesome stuff um, and seeing how we can like build bridges between that and other projects and how we can sort of, you know, con cash team with their physical chips. Um, you know, we've, we've worked with Webverse team, all the stuff they're doing in virtual worlds and um, basically building like an interoperable metaverse um, you know, there's these fashion houses in Sweden that we're working with who, you know, they came from a web two background or like, you know, they, they were not crypto people at all, but they've, they've had crypto ideals, right? They had these, uh, this idea of like open sourcing these patterns, um, for clothing that other people can use and compose. And, uh, they, they never got traction in the re- in the fashion industry with that because everyone thought they were crazy for wanting to open source their patterns, but, um, that really aligned with like web three values and you know with ethereum we can now actually make those sort of things sustainable by building in royalties to these assets where um communities can come together create together um share in these assets and the licensing of it you know um and you know share in the upside of it as well you see like nfts are really blowing up and it's still mostly kind of about the individual for metafactory we've really focused a lot on the collective um Mm. and you know creating experiences for a group of people to actually come together and create value together Uh, and i think that it's going to be a theme that starts coming up more and more um because we do have the potential to do these sort of things which wasn't there before so um yeah i think just having that community first collective approach um really working with as many people creating awesome stuff as we can and helping to lift them up uh I think that's that's really what gave us uh made us who we are today sure it's um completely agree in terms of that more collaborative participatory uh sort of approach uh being the one that ultimately prevails i think obviously the web3 kind of uh ecosystem lends itself really nicely to those kind of dynamics as well be that you know hold x amount of y token and you qualify for maybe i don't know some new fashion drop you guys are doing or something but there are all sorts of ways you can kind of cross pollinate there um drew i'm i'm curious we've mentioned you know uh solutions looking for problems but in terms of problems that were looking for solutions that you guys had to face what were some of the uh most difficult parts of the journey so far (laughs) um well interestingly uh we had no plans to introduce a token whatsoever um and obviously nfts were always like in the in in the scope but an actual like a governance token that was that emerged purely out of need um identifying uh, kind of two really distinct user types in the in the consumers the patrons and those the creators themselves um and and the need to actually uh focus on some more the creator side and how we reward them so that was actually like born <laughs> purely out of out of need. Um, 
obviously physical goods production is also much more challenging than dealing only with digital assets. Uh, we are technologists, um, or I'll say I'm a technologist, um, you know, and I, I don't know much about fashion industry. I've, I know a lot more than I did now. Um, and you know, that is just comes with its own challenges around supply chains, um, you know, fulfillment, all, all, everything that has to deal with that. Um, also these processes are naturally centralized, right? So how we also structure ourselves in a way that, um, you know, the community ownership aspect and governance, uh, works, right? So we've essentially, uh, formed in, in a way where the corporation that manages the production partner bills and invoicing and taxes and everything that goes with that. Um, is a slave to the to the DAO in terms of governance and treasury management and, and everything else. So, um, you know that that those are big ones. Um, I also think you know on that same kind of topic, I think a lot of people are sleeping on the potential for NFTs with physical goods, and I think it's because this is a hard problem. Um, it's a challenging one to solve. It 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 means different things to different people. So um, I think yeah. We're starting to scratch the surface of that again with our with our hardware and and um, simple like kind of authenticity verification and and whatnot. But uh, I think that's going to open up in a lot of exciting ways and lead to new possibilities. Where what we're doing, the products we're offering, it's much more about the experience than the product. Um, and uh, you know, kind of what MetaDreamer talk, uh, touched on previously. Um, you know, beyond that, we're we're facing the typical problems of you know human coordination. Uh, you know, these community-owned and governed uh, projects are always uh, challenging. But I think it's you have to put a lot of focus on the social and and the, the those cultural aspects um, because the, the tools in in and of themselves will not solve that. So, um, but yeah, I'm quite pleased, and I think we have like a really strong community that are uh, all aligned on what we're trying to do and they're pushing the needle in in their own various ways. Like the, the, the Genesis members who all bought our, our, our bomber jacket, um, they are prominent figures across the ecosystem, the, the Ethereum ecosystem um, in various capacities. And it's exciting to be able to reach out and, and collab with them and, and everybody kind of pushing the needle and, and you know, that, that just, opens up new possibilities for where we can go too. So yeah, um, the, the challenges, you know, present opportunity too, right. And nothing worth doing is ever easy. So it's kind of, we see this as a big experiment and, you know, we've approached it very organically and, and let the, the market and the need kind of drive us, um, as we explore more and, and new different opportunities. Sure. You guys have both touched upon the token now. Um, for those listening, can you guys, uh, one of you, feel free to jump in, uh, talk us through the robot token and kind of the role it plays within the ecosystem? Go for it, MetaDreamer. Cool. Yeah. So um, robot is MetaFactory's governance token. Um, the The role it plays in the ecosystem is essentially to uh, act as the um, unit of account and sort of share in the rewards uh, and incentivize sort of the right outcomes we want. Um, we realized when sort of coming up with token design, the solution or like the way you can structure your token design is actually pretty simple. Just think, what do you want people to do? And then just drop tokens on them for doing that. Like that formula in and of itself works really, really well. So in our case, um, anyone who buys products from our shop anyone who designs products for the shop, um, anyone who uh, helps like manage a project or, you know, brings a project to the table or, you know, basically helps it get over the line, uh, like basically like operational stuff. Um, and people who participate in governance, they all get uh, retroactive robot airdrops um, on a periodic basis. And these are all sort of proportional to sales milestones. So, um, every, we have, you know, our hundred K sales milestone, which we hit last year, uh, 200 K, which we hit this year, 400 K, 800 K. 
these are all sales milestones that basically says like once you reach these milestones everyone's going to get this token out um based on who basically helped us get there the most um and that sort of approach uh is really nice because um it rewards people who are actively participating and driving value um into the project and helping it grow uh and yeah the the perks for um being a robot holder uh it's this is a cool part and like you know drew mentioned before lean token design is that these things can be fleshed out as the project develops and can be determined by the token holders themselves what the rewards should be and could be um but to start the the main one is basically uh access to the community channels in discord um you know those are all the internal channels which we like discuss the projects we're working on we have weekly member calls um, all that sort of stuff. And then, you know, there's different tiers. If you hold uh, a thousand robot, for example, it gets you access to Citadel level. So that gives you actually visibility into the whole, um, like the LLC side of it. So you get to see all the profits and losses, all our like expenditures, um, all the books basically. And, you know, you have that level of um, uh, insight into what's going on. And then on the basic level is if you hold 10 robot, you can get access to the community calls. You can get access to the sort of discord chats, that sort of thing. Um, the next major step for us is, uh, something called, we're calling the curation game. Um, and this is where robot will be used for people to curate what projects make it into our shop. Um, because right now we're getting to the point where we have more inbound interest than we can actually handle. So, um, we can actually use robot as a mechanism in which people who hold robot can vote on what drops should come next. And the people that vote on a certain drop and based on how well that drop sells, they'll also get rewarded for curating that good drop. So it's really powerful because um, you can buy a product in the shop, get tokens that help you then dictate what products are coming to the shop in the future. And then if you are a good curator and you have you know, it's essentially tastemakers, um, you basically stake your robot tokens on the products that you think are going to be successful, uh, you, you'll get rewarded with additional robot. And this creates like essentially a decentralized marketing force where all these people who are now vested in the success of this product selling well will then go out and show this product. So we don't need to go buy ads on Instagram or anything. We just have our community doing that for us because we can reward them for that behavior. Um, and you know, uh, just that it's 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 really powerful. Um, I, again, too, with it's been a really cool thing with communities as well. So we did the Wi-Fi hoodie drop, um, the baseball cap for based um, yam jams, all these like different token communities. Uh, and what we did there is um, we airdropped a robot on all the buyers of that uh, uh, in that community, all the buyers of those products, and then. We use the profits from that product, profits from those sales to buy that community's token. So what you have is essentially that community has now a bunch of robot holders and Metafactory itself now holds a bunch of that community's token. So now because both of our communities hold each other's token, we're kind of incentivized to um, act in each other's best interests and sort of drive the best success for each other, um, which I think is like really cool. Uh, it creates like really healthy community dynamics and um it's just a, it's just a really nice flywheel to get spinning that way. Um, you know, it benefits the communities. They get nice merch. We offload all the logistics, um, all the difficult parts about producing merch, which it's really hard for these decentralized communities. Like almost all of them, we hear from so many communities that everyone wants us to do merch or do something like that, but we don't have the time or resources to figure that out. Metafactory just provides that as a service. And it's like a composable merch platform for decentralized communities um, that integrates not only on like, you know, we'll make your merch, but also on a tokenomics level for, for these communities. Positive sum Super games. Yeah, there we go. There we go. Um, I'm curious then, uh, <laughs> like, have you guys sort of, how did you get to where you are? Did you raise any capital? Like how big's the core team now? Yeah, curious if we could get a bit of color on that quickly. It's uh, all been bootstrapped. In. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's all been bootstrapped, um, you know, self-funded. 
and we were lucky to get to profitability relatively quickly. So we haven't needed to. Um, that's on the table. We've had some interesting teams approach us, uh, potential investors. For us, I think that is much more about strategic alignment and, and possibility than really a need for the cash. Um, obviously, adding fuel to the fire now that we've better found like product market fit and stuff is always great. But um, you know, they, we're really unique in our structure, and we don't. It would need to be a close kind of you know strategic alignment again because. Our goals are driven by our community um, and not investors, right? So um, that becomes a an interesting problem for I think anybody who's kind of operating the way we are. So you know, if we're constantly prioritizing what the investors' needs are or a return on on capital, you know, that's not going to necessarily work out the best for you know what we're trying to accomplish here. So. Mm. Makes sense. Yeah. And then I'm curious sort of how you guys view yourselves within the market as sort of as it stands. It's pretty amazing, uh, you know, the momentum you guys have built and the community that's forming around this around, I mean, such a cool concept to see, you know, out in the wild. But um, I'm curious what, what the kind of ultimate ambitions are. Where does this all go? So I think for us, um, it's it's really actually surprising how much we've um gotten into like the physical production side of things and how we're actually like making a lot of steps to disrupting that industry um and you know so we have this concept of micro factories where um the the tech in fashion production has gotten pretty good uh, to the point where we can sort of design a garment in software completely in 3d simulate the physics of the fabric get the exact like fitting right just purely digitally and then go straight to production, which, you know, can t- take that digital asset and, and be like integrated with the machines that can sort of cut these patterns and then, you know, sew them together. Um, and, you know, if we have a distributed network of little micro factories that can sort of produce all this stuff um, distributed around the world, then uh, it's really cool because you can order, you know, a jacket and then have it produced in like the micro factory that's closest to you. Um, and it it, it, it does a it, this is huge for like the fashion industry and like the whole kind of getting past that fast fashion culture that's happening right now um and into a system in which like people on the from the guy that like sews the shirt can actually get royalties for like all these products being sold on the secondary market after it's successful you know we really eliminate waste um you know we're coming up uh, we're, we're working with this really really amazing fashion designer who's basically created um this idea of like fashion 3.0 or you know kinetic garment movement theory where uh instead of the same like box cut uh stuff we have for clothes which is kind of like how we've done clothes for like last many hundred years um evolving that into like more uh natural naturally flowing cuts that kind of move with with the with the shape of your body in motion um, and also don't waste as much fabric, you know, uh, right now, if you cut a, a t-shirt out of, um, a roll of fabric, 20% of that just kind of goes to waste. Um, you know, we can start to create patterns in which only like less than 1% of that goes to waste. Um, so, and you know, these patterns can be open source so that other people can use it and sort of build on this sort of network of, uh, you know, production of digi-physical goods around the world, um, where you know the ownership of it is distributed among all these people um and you know we start to really bridge the gap between the digital and the physical world too like in 10 years when like ar glasses or even implants you know become the the main thing the that's really what's going to make it where you know you can imagine everyone in their house will just have like plain white ikea furniture but then just have ar glasses to make it look like whatever they want it to look like you know be in whatever kind of world they are uh and this idea of like digital like luxury goods essentially um the nfts are perfect for that and you know with metafactory i can imagine too in in the future we might even go digital only but you know at the in the current environment like bridging that gap between the physical and digital being able to disrupt like the fashion industry and like how production happens um and how sort of the value flows like it's 
it, it never would have happened from inside the industry because like things are sort of kind of too stuck where they are, right? People inside the industry are, they're already too deep into the way of they're doing things to be able to like change um, enough to do something like we're doing. So, um, you know, with COVID too, that really kind of accelerated the, this concept that the internet and our digital lives are actually like the main central focal point of like society now, yeah. instead of like a side thing um, that, that becomes the main, you know, medium in which society coordinates and does all this stuff. And it also everything's, yeah, the- everything's come online, but not like culture yet. You know, we have, uh, you, you know, you wear Yeezys to school so people can see you're wearing Yeezys, but if no one's going to school anymore, how are going to people know you have Yeezys? You want digital Yeezys, right? That you can wear in these virtual <laughs> worlds. Um, COVID also hi- highlighted like the weakness in supply chains too. And like part of, you know, moving towards a more decentralized and, and or fair uh, supply chain structure is is that right and it's totally within the ethos of this of the web3 space and and this ecosystem um so it was like natural to us like can we can we can we accomplish that like can is there a process here where we can include the producers in the robot side too like they want to participate and on the flip side we can include the garment makers the pattern makers as well and they, you know, now the path for them is not become your own brand or, or sell your patterns to another. You can, if you're fascinated um, creatively by the, like the structure and construction side of the space, you can just focus on that. So, yeah, the, it's, I think that really is like the most powerful thing about Metafactory is that anyone who comes um, into the Metafactory circle to try to provide value, they get to focus on what they really want to do and what they're good at. And everything else sort of gets abstracted away for them or taken care of. Like, for example, if anyone wants to start a fashion brand today, you need like at least $20,000 for like startup capital. You need to find production partners, build these relationships. It's not easy. With Metafactory, like any high school kid can come with just like a design of a shirt in Photoshop. And, you know, we can handle all the production, the fulfillment, everything. Um, You know, the Rickard who designs patterns, like he can just focus on designing the patterns. He doesn't have to figure out how to build this whole business around it and do all these other things. If he just does his part well, um, it can be connected with the rest of the value that's being created downstream from that, um, with, yeah. which in the traditional world, it doesn't happen like that. You know, the people who are middlemen or, you know, um, sitting at the intersection of transactions, they get to sort of dictate where the value flows. Yeah, I think that um, enabling of sort of specialization within the Metafactory family is uh, pretty neat. Get get everyone to just, um, you know, assume that all the other pieces fall in, pa- in place around them and let them really focus on, on kind of what they want to do there. I think, uh, obviously, you touched upon this kind of very collaborative and sort of outwards looking approach. Could you touch upon some of the really exciting projects you guys are either working with directly or that are levering Metafactory that maybe uh, people listening might want to check out too? Um, yeah, so uh, Kong, um, Kong Cash, they, they're sort of the, the guys that designed the hardware chips that we're using to tie our um, physical goods to um, basically a smart contract, uh, which is really powerful, enables all sorts of experiences. Um, and, you know, this bleeds over into like, physical art, uh, verifiability remotely that someone has possession of some sort of physical good, uh, all this sort of stuff. Um, the, a few other, um, projects we're working with is, you know, uh, neon district, um, the, the basically like, you know, v- virtual worlds, uh, different games to basically create, uh, in-game items that have like physical counterparts, create a whole culture and community around that. Um, there's, there's a, yeah, there's a couple um, existing brands with entire like character universes, brand universe, and hundreds of assets that come with that, which have uh, come to us, and we're looking to do some collaboration with them. And that's super exciting because it's essentially just applying our our tool set and what we've figured out to like existing assets. Um, versus like the asset being like kind of the, the core focus. So, and that unlocks like a whole bunch of possibilities in terms of like the interplay between assets and the composability of like collecting and, and 
completing sets and, and those types of things and what that unlocks. Um, also, like as much as we can bring the experience part forward, the education part forward, and like you know do unique things because of where we're sitting. Um, another fun one is we're doing a collab with the pool party, which is essentially a um, a DAO or community bank um, tooling framework for people to pool funds and, and spend however they decide. Um, our implementation will essentially be 32 garments, uh, obviously swimwear for pool party, um, each of which represents a one ETH stake in, a, in an ETH2 node. So this will be essentially fashion yields for you. <laughs> so anywhere we can kind of mm-hmm. pull the experience forward, um, I think those are really exciting ones. Um, but at the end of the day, the, the, the bread and butter is really just, um, you know, simple, simple merch drops, uh, in support of communities. And I think that the like value there isn't to be like overlooked either. So. Yeah. Um, another one that we got introduced to that you guys actually had on this podcast a couple of weeks back, I think was like Boson protocol and, like they're a good example of, you know, something that Metafactory can leverage and integrate with to enable basically P2P um, commerce of these like digi-physical goods. Um, and, you know, that is that is important for Metafactory to figure out. But instead of us having to like recreate all that work, we can just leverage something like Boson for that particular um, aspect of our community or, um, you know, what we're trying to accomplish. Um, so, yeah, it's... It's really cool just to see how powerful it is to be able to, you know, compose these things to create, um, you know, these meta products or meta experiences um, made up of a lot of really cool bits and pieces of like Lego tech Legos, essentially. Really neat. I love it. Um if you guys, so I, so I usually ask it, you know, obviously a lot of projects come on here sort of using NFTs in, in, in different ways. I think um, the context in which you guys are using them is, is obviously super neat. Um, perhaps, Drew, if you want to go first and then MetaDreamer, if you got anything to add, please feel free to. But if you had to distill the core value proposition of NFTs into just a few sentences, sort of what would they be for what you guys are doing? Uh, it's what it really is for everyone else. It's verifiable ownership, right? Um, I I purchased this hoodie. I own it both in meat space and in you know the virtual world or virtual space. Um, you know the that allows me to you know fa- fashion is very powerful in the it's like the expression of self. Um, when you add digital and virtual, it becomes even more interesting because you can be anything you want to be. Um, and you know, that I think makes it really powerful. And at the same time, you know, being able to port identity from, you know, who you are in the physical space, uh, into the virtual or into the digital is also exciting. And I think, um, important for people. So yeah, it's the, that, that aspect I think brings a a lot to the table. Um, you're, in the form of identity really, um, at its core. So, and I think NFTs as identity or as unlocking new concepts around identity are really powerful and, and starting to be explored more. Um, and you know, we, we often talk about too, just generally like what's in your wallet, but I think NFTs have, uh, even more significance in kind of defining that. Um, so. Yeah, I think for me, the most powerful thing about NFTs is that for the first time in like human history, um, we are all creating art or, you know, we all creating things on the same medium, you know, like art and creativity has been like, you know, a, a part of who we are since, you know, before we had fire, right? Cavemen making drawings on the wall, um, you know, those are all sort of a, a record of like humanity, our culture, like who we are, what we did. Uh, and, you know, before it's, it's never been on the same medium, you know, we have caveman paintings on the wall, we have, you know, Da Vinci's drawings, we have all these different things. Um, but now all these things can actually just be um, permanently preserved and 
you know, interoperable with each other and sort of on the same medium. And I think being on that unified medium is really what makes it uh, what makes it special and different from, um, you know, and and that's really what gives it value. Uh, I think it's like, you know, if if someone were to mint an NFT on like a a place where like no one else has NFTs, it doesn't really mean anything. So the that is it's it's crazy because like everyone who adds on to it increases the value of everything else that's already there. Um, and that's, I think, why NFTs have really taken off is because it does have that flywheel effect of, you know, one person creates an NFT, someone, you know, puts gives them money for it. That person, like, kind of sees they got that money, they put that money back into the space. Um, and, you know, that person who then bought that NFT is then incentivized to make that person succeed because that will increase the value of the NFT. So they go out and, you know, try to promote that person uh and then it's it's just like really really strong positive some games um the happening yeah the transparency of provenance is like unlocks new value too um because now something may be valuable because it was owned by someone else previously or the the previous collectors are all notable for for whatever so that's that's interesting as well yeah, it's like the identity of the collector is right. almost like as important as the identity of the creator. Right. Sure. Really love that. Really interesting way of thinking about things, and um, fully agree there. I, I love that. Um, you, you know, obviously, Devin kind of flagged it early on this concept of the universal digital representation and and uh, kind of ownership layer as well. Um, it's pretty amazing that we can now express all of these wonderfully varied creative endeavors through the same kind of a digital language, if you like, it's pretty, pretty exciting stuff. Um, Beyond sort of where you guys are at right now, I mean, we've touched upon some of what the future holds, but I guess internally you would have discussed a few things and thrown some ideas around. I'm curious, like what some of the really interesting longer term ideas you have for how these things might evolve. Uh, Perhaps Drew, if you want to jump in first. Generally speaking, in the space? Yeah, either generally or specific to what you guys are doing with digi-physical merch and the way you see, you know, fashion evolving and going purely vig- uh, digital at the intersection of augmented reality or, I don't know, any cool ideas you guys have kicked around that are particularly exciting to you? For sure, for sure. Well, I hope to avoid a future where the crypto voxels no pants problem becomes a real-life problem. Because everyone is wearing, <laughs> everyone is wearing uh, no clothes, and because they assume everyone's VR'd up or AR'd up, I should say. Um, <laughs> or yeah, to uh, Meta Dreamer's point, everyone's wearing pure white garments, and you know we're all actually when AR's off, everybody looks exactly the same, which would be kind of funny. Um, yeah, I mean, where this goes, I, I honestly couldn't tell you what's going to happen next week in this space. <laughs> and that's one of the most beautiful things about it. Uh, yeah, I think, you know, we've we've touched on some of the aspects that we're excited about specific to Metafactory. I think we're the physical production side has a lot of opportunity. Um, I think the garment and pattern creation side also has a ton. Um I think the obviously digital fa- fashion has so much opportunity to, um, and you know ha- how that will be applied. But there are some real world problems I think that need fixing and are equally as important. And in doing so, we can actually again better distribute the value to those that create it um, in key ways around that too. Uh, licensing, um, you know, we think there's a lot of opportunity and yet to be touched around really kind of clarifying the use um, potential and the rights of any of an NFT. Um, There's a lot of, you know, like I, I verifiable ownership. Well, what does that mean? Does that grant me personal use license? Does that grant me commercial use license? Does that, what is it? What can I do with it? A lot of times that's different to each platform and you know, these aren't things we can solve directly as Metafactory, but we can kind of play with experiments and push the needle forward in terms of uh, exposing potential solutions and seeing if they're agnostic or contract level ways to approach them. Um, also, you know, there's at a licensing level with large brands and or artists, oftentimes as like a merchandiser, you're 
you're looking at buying the entire style guide in order to execute um, or like create any merchandising, um, which is really pr- uh, prohibitive uh, for individual artists or, or small businesses. If we can tokenize individual assets, you know, e- each of those can actually be cut up and, and, and shared or, and or utilized um, and monetized individually. So I could, as an artist, say, no, I just want the Mickey gloves that I'm going to throw on a hat and I'm only going to sell 100. And can I craft you know, the legalese around a specific agreement or contract um, that allows and kind of dictates that use case and that license and or makes it resellable and creates new markets and liquidity around these, these rights and these royalties? Um, I know a lot of people are thinking about that and I think there's um, that will unlock true potential, I think, and uh, value kind of discovery for a lot of the NFTs that are out today and, and yet to be kind of tokenized. Yeah, and I think like the really the at the end of the day, what we're building towards is the idea of the metaverse, you know, um, this is like what the podcast is after all, like metaverse musings, right? And for sure, um, everyone knows about it by now. But I think like the ethereum nfts um this ability in web3 for us to like coordinate digitally and create basically turn real life into you know a game essentially you know it works the same way as a you know you have an in-game inventory uh you trade items you do things you earn capital like all this sort of stuff um that really is where the future is uh and this is the first time we have the technology that can act as as that fabric for the metaverse um you know the it, up until now it really wasn't possible and it's it's pretty like um poetic how it's sort of coinciding with the takeoff in you know vr and ar stuff technology like catching up um in that sense and you know eventually like we'll just have brain implants to talk directly into our visual cortex instead of having like headsets right and that's when things get really crazy because you're no longer limited by like you know the physical um limitations of your eyes uh in in terms of what they can perceive so the future of yeah. um experiences and media and like uh it's going to be like uh, i don't think we can even imagine or anticipate what it's going to be like but um it's not going to look yeah, like that's anything where it gets like uh, th- that's where it gets pretty far out where yeah i mean elon's often talking <laughs> about you know dramatically expanding that uh bandwidth with the neural interface he says even you know voice or definitely typing right is a incredibly low bandwidth way to communicate and interact with the sort of digital realm and he also always points out that the uh you know advent of mobile was actually a massive step back and that we went from 10 fingers to just two thumbs with the typing and whatnot but um yeah i mean try not to spend too long in that headspace at the moment thinking about BCIs <laughs> and where that's all going, but it's, uh, it's definitely exciting. Those are the I, fun um, rabbit holes though. Absolutely. Oh my God. They're the best. I was just like, it's, it's more self-restraint keeping <laughs> me back for the time being. But yeah. Um, yeah. but yeah, so, um, I also wanted to ask kind of heading into, into the, the closing section now, but just before sort of, what is one thing that's become clear to you, both of you, since you embarked on your crypto journey that you wish you'd known before? Drew, perhaps if you want to jump in first. Oh, man. The, the power of FOMO. <laughs> um, yeah, so much. I have, uh, you know, honestly, like really grown as a person as a result of this space. Um, like the, the knowledge, the like, experience the relationships um it's really incredible um especially in the past year because the opportunities and the excitement in this space are are so huge and vast and it's a very positive uh from my perspective um and then you'd look up and you know covid and pandemic and media and a crazy election and just <laughs> just I, I wanted to go back into the metaverse as quickly as possible you know um you know, I think we're also like, generally speaking, there's a lot to wrap your head around in this space. And I think we're all eager to provide quick pathways to ad- adoption and, and funnel the masses. Um, but I think we're doing so oftentimes, uh, you know, at, at the cost of them understanding the true responsibilities 
uh, and with great power comes great responsibility. Um, <laughs> but yeah, they, they, you know, it's important to understand what a private key is and, and what your 12 words are and why these things, because, you know, we've seen again recently with the, the role hack, um, I expect a lot of people in those communities didn't even know, um, that that was a counterparty risk that they were even exposed to. And it's, yeah, it's important to, I think, provide easy and exciting pathways and ex things that are experiential, but um, in, in terms of captivating and, and capturing those audiences and, and the attention. But um, at the same time, we also shouldn't cripple the potential of Web3 by like forcing it into old mental models when we need to rethink how things are done. Um, yeah, more general thought there, but yeah. Yeah, I was just gonna say, it's like really important, I think, for people to be educated on, you know, what Web3 is, what crypto is, and not to like abstract it away. Um, I think that's another thing that really differentiated Metafactory from a lot of other projects is like our approach is to be like crypto native first. Um, you know, we're not trying to water down what crypto is or abstract away things or, you know, uh, we want people to basically dive in, um, you know, swim with the sharks uh, and, you know, really understand what we're trying to do here because, you know, just like everyone now is like an internet person, like everyone is going to become a crypto person. So I think it's almost like an onus on us to educate people um, on what this is and, you know, where, where this is going and making sure they actually understand it instead of, you know, trying to make something that's like, oh, mainstream friendly, but, you know, it, it kind of misses the point of um, the, the, the message we're trying to send here um and why why we're doing all of this stuff so we kind yeah, of provide the, a path for both too which is interesting in the sense of you could just buy some merch from us uh, from the store and really have no idea as to like a lot of these workings inner workings and kind of behind the scene workings so yeah. um and and funny enough is even though this is a you know crypto focused merch platform most of our sales are still done like in fiat, which is kind of funny, but understandable in a bull market. Everybody mm -hmm. wants to hold their crypto. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it's, um, you know, it's exciting because we've had people now come back around that bought stuff. Some of our earliest products, like the Wi-Fi hoodie was one of our, our first and, and definitely a, a more popular one um, that were like, wait, there's, there's a token like, and some of them are crypto native, some of them are not. And that's, I've watched Metafactory be the first path or experience into Web3 that some people have had. And it's been, it's uh, been satisfying, <laughs> uh, rewarding. Also, you know, helps us to shape kind of what we're offering in our experience accordingly. So Yeah, like in my opinion, it, we shouldn't sort of make crypto easy. So then people come to us, we should make the reason they want to come to us so compelling that they're willing to learn how to use MetaMask, how to do all these things. Because once you actually learn it, it's, the user experience is actually way nicer than any Web2 experience, you know, um, like having to do passwords and 2FA and all these like weird things that actually, it starts to feel a lot worse once you get used to the crypto way of doing it. Um, so, you know, for us, it's like, we want to make the, what we're doing so dope that people like are willing to do whatever it takes basically to to come in. And, you know, if it's, if it's not exciting enough for them to want to learn how to use crypto properly, then we're not doing a good enough job. Um, yeah, that's so. It. Yeah, I think that's been a nice forcing function for us. So heading into the closing questions here, um, Meta Dreamer, if you want to go first, what is your favorite video game ever? Hmm, favorite video game ever. It's Bloodborne. Bloodborne is my favorite good game ever. It's a by from software. It's kind of if you've played Dark Souls, um, it's kind of like that. But it's it's kind of like a Lovecraftian horror, um, like hack and slash game. But uh, the I really so the, the the creator of the game he's Japanese, um, and like Japanese art has been like always like really fascinating to me. But the 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 way he sort of creates his game is. Uh, or his games is like he creates this like huge expansive universe like he writes it all out in terms of like that there's so much like depth and detail into like the origins and the you know how this universe came to be and everything but then in the actual game he shows nothing of that 
um, he just you basically just are thrown into this world, not knowing anything about it and not having anything explained to you. And you're just kind of like exploring and finding things out through like, you know, subtle clues here and there. And um, it's really amazing because like it, it gives you this level of immersion that you like have never seen before uh, or like I've never really felt before in any other game. Um, and like the, the atmosphere and w- once you start to like realize the depth of what's actually going on here um it, it it starts to blow your mind you know it's like uh it, it at first it's just like you know kind of weird it's like this game's not telling me what to do what is this what am i doing um Meta- but you metadream yeah. referral link will be at the end of the video oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i i, I love bloodborne that's probably one of my favorite games <laughs> we, we, nice. man we, i gotta go pick it up now um i'm yeah I'm <laughs> you sold it okay tell me yeah, tell shoot, me what's your favorite shooters are Oh man, I don't really discriminate, but yeah, uh, first person shooters, that's like, it's been a long time since I've actually had the time to game, but those, that's my go-to. Um, I'm also a huge fan and of Ark and like those kind of those games where it's mm-hmm. just like you look down and then you look up and like four hours have passed and it's just, it can just consume you. It's crazy. Absolutely. They're the best. You can lose, uh, lose days to them. I, uh, I agree. I'm a big, big FPS man. Always have been, always will be, um, grew up on the quick scopes. Once a quick scoper, always a quick scoper. It's tough. Um, <laughs> exactly. so yeah. modern warfare two, one, <laughs> Yvonne and Rust. <laughs> Let's go, man. Let's go. I, um, on a, on a slightly different note, uh, meta dream, if you want to go first, what is the most impactful digital experience you've ever had? Hmm. Impactful digital experience. Um, I would say, I would say it was um, Intercon last year. So Intercon was like a virtual conference that we organized in this community called Metagame. Um, and this was like, we, we were planning and organizing it before the whole pandemic stuff happened. So uh, it was basically like one of the first virtual conferences because of that reason. Um, like we already had everything planned out. And then when things went into quarantine, we did that. And it was like before everyone was so like, you know, tired of the pandemic and um this was like in the you know peak of the bear market too uh and just seeing the whole like ethereum community like come together there and like coordinate digitally and have all these like talks there's like a bunch of like impromptu music performances and like all this stuff um and you know just seeing like because on crypto twitter and stuff you kind of see like things like all this cool stuff happening in multiple different places but to kind of see all these people like come together in one place um and, you know, it, it really felt like at that moment, you know, especially like because the world is going through such a big change and all this sort of stuff that I was like, you know, this is really the place I want to be and where I really want to work and where I can make an impact and where I have the skills um, to do it. And, you know, it it had it sort of had that like light bulb moment that so much of like my seemingly like random decisions or things that I did in my life that led me to here um you know was it was like a pretty profound moment for me love it and and drew what about you man i've been sitting here thinking the whole time it's like what is um (laughs) i i guess like one one really profound kind of moment for me recently at least was like i threw my oculus headset on which was brand new and i went into crypto voxels and I looked like I walked, you know, down the street, looked at my parcel and in like, which I own and inside the parcel was a bunch of NFTs and art, which I also own. <laughs> it's just, it was the collision of all these like things that these interests and passions and things that I've, I'm helping to build, but, you know, also experiencing as a, as a consumer um, or a participant or whatever. And um, yeah, that was like a, a hugely kind of like exciting slash profound moment for me. Um, taking a long step back, uh, and I think this would still qualify as digital. Um, one of my, like when I was really young, I remember I was walking through a nut orchard on my uh, grandparents' property and I heard like a noise and it was just like, you're used to hearing birds. It was like a digital bird. And I was like, what is that? I look over and there's this like object hanging from a branch 
and it was ringing. And it was the first time I saw a cell phone, which was like the literal Zach Morris, like enormous brick (laughs) cell phone. And that was also like a profound moment in my life of just like, like, wow, like that whole kind of, you know, technology is indistinguishable from magic kind of moment. Um, when done right. Wow. Super cool. Um, and then finally, Metadrama, again, if you want to jump in first, uh, out of all the books you've ever read, which one has resonated with you the most? I think, um, for me, I really like fiction. Um, I think fiction does a really like fiction can kind of tell you all the lessons you need to learn in that, you know, in a nonfiction book, but it just tells it in a much more interesting and indirect way, which I think is, is nicer because it lets you interpret it how you want to interpret it um, and understand in that way. Um, I think like one of my like favorite um, books is still like the Harry Potter series. Um, I like read those so much when I was a kid. Um, And for me, it's like, it's not it's not even about like it was like an insanely good book but more so like the impact it had on me as an individual and sort of like um you know thinking about uh like these different realities these different worlds um you know the uh i think that 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 is really what what matters um and you kind of see the same thing with like nfts is like it's not really about what the art is like a, a charizard card a pokemon card is not like really cool because of like how good the Charizard art is or the card itself, but the sort of meaning it has. Um, and so for that reason, I, I'll probably say like Harry Potter books had like the most impact on me because that really like, you know, opened my eyes to like, you know, these mystical worlds and uh, universes and stuff. So the, um and you know it's it's really cool now that we can build them start to create these in the metaverse and start to live in them and you know hmm. the, the things you're reading start to experience them as well absolutely and drew um i actually tend to gravitate more towards nonfiction. usually a lot of like philosophy and psychology i like ken wilber a lot but um gotta say snow crash i mean what kind of metaverse musings mm-hmm. would it be without <laughs> uh so honestly though snow crash has man that's such a great book and the so many just various elements of I, I i constantly catch myself referencing it on a daily basis like internally around what we're building or some idea or something i've seen um webiverse team is highly I mean, they're building many aspects. I, I constantly see like the black sun <laughs> in, in like Jin's headquarters and just everything that they're building. Um, and, you know, with that too, like the simulation hypothesis, uh, Rizwan Verk, that's also a kind of a another way of conceiving it from a, a research or academic standpoint. Um, and kind of like the idea that, this all is a simulation. Um, and as we start to build new simulations and or with or without brain implants or wherever that goes, like, are we turtles all the way down? Right. So it, it kind of, that, that definitely gets your mind going. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. My, um, well, I've got a bunch of brothers, but, uh, a brother that's a year younger than me is currently reading snow crash for the first time. And I'm so, so envious. He keeps uh, calling me to, to chat about different chapters and stuff and uh i'm uh, i'm envious it's his first time but whatever uh such is life well um listen guys i've really thoroughly enjoyed chatting to you both i feel you both kind of perfectly embody the ethos and ideas and ambition of this space and uh it's a genuine pleasure chatting to you both and uh i'm really really excited to follow along with metafactory and and see uh your inevitable conquest of the fashion world and beyond um but uh yeah thank you both for coming on for, for those listening uh, that want to follow on and, and stay up to date um you know where should they where should they find you guys um yeah you can find us on uh well the best place probably just go to our uh website metafactory.ai our shops like shop.metafactory.ai um and from there you can like get into our discord and uh subscribe to the newsletter and whatnot 
Um, but yeah, anyone who's interested in, you know, designing stuff or if any of this stuff interests you, if you have ideas, you know, join our community, throw, throw, throw the ideas at us. Like, you know, it's literally like permission that anyone can come and create and do stuff, um, under Meta Factory brand, uh, you know, as long as the ideas are dope and you're, <laughs> cool. uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, at the Meta Factory on Twitter too, but, um, yeah, join the discord. That's, that's where the magic happens. Brilliant. Well, guys, once again, thank you so much for joining us. Really enjoyed this conversation, and uh, yeah, we'll have to have you uh, have to have you back on in the future to talk about all the uh, all the developments. For sure, it's been a pleasure. Thanks for inviting us. Yeah, thanks, man. It's been a really great time. Good chat. <laughs>